Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 195 of Yoga Land. Today, my guest is Sarah Walbuser. She is an attorney for coaches and online business owners, and she is the attorney that I used for our terms of purchase and terms of conditions on our website. So I thought it would be a good idea. I've been seeing some questions bouncing around the internet about how yoga teachers can protect themselves teaching online and whether or not you need a waiver, whether or not you need extra insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So Sarah is a great person to talk to because she works with people in our industry all the time. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah, you can go to her website, which is destinationlegal.com, or you could follow her on Instagram, which is also Destination Legal. Right now, Sarah is offering a special 15% off for Yoga Land listeners at her online legal shop. So you can find that at Destination Legal, and you enter the promo code YOGALAND when you check out. Enjoy the conversation. I hope it gives you the clarity you need. Thanks so much for being here, Sarah. You are the first lawyer I've had on the show. Well, thank you. I'm very <laughs> honored and excited to be here as well. Yeah. And the show lately has really been a different kind of a show because we're in this different kind of a world right now. So I wanted to just do a very practical, well-informed show to help yoga teachers who have just started to teach online for the first time. Most yoga teachers are accustomed to working through a studio or perhaps teaching privates out of their home. But it's really new for a lot of people to be teaching on their own. So, so some teachers right now are still teaching through their studio on Zoom, like under the banner of their studio. But some mm-hmm. people are teaching you know, on their own through Zoom or through YouTube Live or something like that. So what they are wondering and what I want to ask you is how yoga teachers can protect themselves? Like what kinds of things do they need to think about and to to find to protect themselves if they're new to teaching online? Yeah, great question. And of course, something that many professionals are dealing with in this environment, as you just said, a lot of people have been working in person and now they're transitioning to working online. And of course, it brings up lots of questions. So there's really two different aspects of this. One is whether you are having people pay for to take your courses online. So, you know, whether you're teaching on YouTube or through Zoom or something like that, there's sort of one conversation we'll have about how to protect yourself in that aspect. And then the second would be if you're doing it for free on YouTube or a public platform. Would you say those are the two main scenarios? Yes, I think yes. those are the two. And I guess there would also be asking for donations. Like some people say you could pay what you can or donate to my Patreon. Yeah. So anytime that you are putting information out into the world, whether you're in person or online, you're still opening yourself up to liability. So anyone with a website, anyone with an email list, anyone that's teaching yoga online is opening themselves up to liability just through doing that. So you definitely want to have some legal protections in place no matter what. And so if you're not charging, you're not running a private course and you're just teaching, the way to really protect yourself legally is to make sure you have the proper website terms of service and disclaimers in place. 
And so these can be on your website and then you can link to them from your YouTube channel, from your Facebook page, from whatever platform saying, you know, by participating, by being here, you're agreeing to our terms of service and disclaimers. Now, it's not the most legally protected you can be. In order to do that, you would want to make sure that they check a box or something like that. By It's harder to do that on things like YouTube. Right. But if it can be done, that's a little bit stronger. But basically, website terms of service and disclaimers outline what you're doing on your website, what the information is intended to, what people can and cannot do with it, that you... You know, the videos, the teachings are educational only, especially in yoga. You're not curing disease. You're not a medical doctor. You're not offering any type of professional medical advice. But what's also really important, obviously, is that if anyone should get injured or hurt during a yoga class, that the teacher isn't held responsible, right? Like, that's the big thing. Mm -hmm. You don't want someone to take your class and trip over themselves crack their head on a table, end up in the hospital and end up suing you, right? So of course, it's hard to imagine that. And you don't want to think that people get blamed for that. But when someone is injured, they will look for someone to blame. And so it's really important to have those disclaimers in there, because that's what protects your business from liability. So in terms of the terms of service and disclaimers, this is the thing that you'll see at the bottom of most people's websites. And the funny thing is, my husband and I have had one for a long time and our website is so old that I have no idea where it came from, like no clue. But I did just purchase one from you. So I feel like I'm protected. So yes. do you know if this is something that can be like crowdsourced or, I mean, I purchased it from you because I trust you and I wanted to just be totally above board and we just do a lot of business online right now and I wanted to be protected. But is it something that people can get on their own? Or does does it come with like certain website packages? What do you how, what do you recommend people do to get the, the right kind of thing? Yeah, so legal is is definitely something that should not be crowdsourced. So you shouldn't be sharing legal documents, you shouldn't be borrowing them from other people, you shouldn't take them from someone else's website. And there's a couple reasons for this. One is because you don't know what you don't know, you don't know if that document is really protecting you. So mm-hmm. like you, you weren't sure where it came from. You don't even know if an attorney had written it. And so the bottom line of, of kind of crowdsourcing or borrowing or sharing is that you really don't know what you're getting there. And so how unfortunate if you think you're legally protected when actually you could be exposing yourself to more liability. But the other reason is that it's also considered copyright infringement if you're taking something from somebody else's website or borrowing or like, you know, my friend, the yoga teacher, she gave me hers. But if she bought it from a lawyer or a template shop online, chances are that template is copyrighted and only licensed for her personal use. So if she then goes and shares it, then, you know, and that comes back around to her, she could be in trouble. So, you know, there might be some free places out there where you could get templates and such. But the nice thing about working with an attorney that knows the online space is that my terms of service and disclaimers are meant for people that are working online doing these types of things. If you just go to like a legal zoom or whatever, it might not fit the industry if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of coaches and health coaches and service providers and things like that. Fortunately, 
if you had wanted to get terms of service from an attorney 10 years ago, even it would have cost you Mm $5,000. So the fact that you can purchase it online now for just a couple hundred is really nice. And then you know that you have what you need. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have those terms of service and disclaimers, and then you have your privacy policy as well, which is legally required in the U S for anyone that has a website and is collecting email addresses And that, you know, all of those are kind of packaged into my website collection and other online attorneys do similar things as well. Okay. So I have seen other teachers recommend that you, you know, go and hire a lawyer to, to have them write these out. And I met you through an online group that we're both a part of, and I'd seen kind of you responding to people. So I felt like I trusted you and you offer, like you were mentioning templates for people that they can purchase. So you're not having to like get on the phone with people and go through the whole intake and blah, blah, blah. And it's less expensive for the consumer. How can people assess if a shop like this is the right kind of shop to buy a template from? Yeah, so that's a great question. And honestly, it it, it pretty much comes down. I don't know if feeling is the right word, but it comes down to to the vibe that you get from them and whether you sense that they know your industry. Mm-hmm. So I know lots of clients that have come to me after attempting to work one-on-one with lawyers and they were turned off because it was a typical stuffy male suit mm-hmm. type of situation. They ended up with contracts that were 25 pages longer than they needed to be. And so fortunately over the past couple of years, there have been a crop of us attorneys that are working online where my mission to help people like you protect your passion, right? That's your passion-based business is, is yoga. And so it's my mission to help you. And so the way that I've done it at least is trying to make it easy to understand. And I don't use a ton of legalese. And so even though the templates are downloadable, customizable for you, it's not like we're working one-on-one on a phone call, but I'm always here to answer questions. And I have a team that helps with that. And so I think the answer is just do a little bit of research, Mm -hmm. ask a friend. And I've had people kind of come and say, I like your vibe or, you know, I ended up buying it down the street for, for whatever reason. Right. Okay. Okay. So just to go backward a little bit, you were talking about how the terms of service and disclaimers, part of what they can do is protect you if someone gets injured, but that's only if they're not paying for a class, correct? So if they are paying for a class, what you will want to use is a little bit different and it's called a terms of purchase or terms of use. And so This is similar to more of a one-on-one contract or something that you might agree to when you go into a a yoga studio. It outlines basically what you're offering. So if you are teaching online, maybe you have an eight-week course or there's 10 sessions included. Or if you're doing private yoga instruction, it kind of outlines what you're offering. It outlines how they pay you. Are you offering refunds? Is there a payment plan? And then it does offer, you know, the similar disclaimers, of course, like even if you're paying here, if you still end up in, you know, if you end up injured again, you don't want to be sued or held responsible for that. So the disclaimers are actually 
similar for both. The big difference here is if someone's paying you, there's just more at stake and you want to make sure that they are agreeing to all of the terms for that online course. Right. And so that's called the terms of purchase. Correct. Okay. And so for someone like me, this is pretty easy to institute into my business because I tend to teach like more ongoing courses, right? Where you buy like a package and the platform that I use, I know has a terms of purchase where people click the little box, right? That they've agreed to the terms of purchase. What about someone who's teaching just like a weekly yoga class on Zoom? I'm trying to think most how most people accept payment. You know, I mean, if they're accepting payment from several different possible payment gateways, I'm just trying you know, to think of how they incorporate yeah. that. It's a tech challenge. But I would suggest, you know, businesses make it so easy. You can get Squarespace now. You can just have one page and a ch- it can be a checkout button. They have terms that you can agree to. Shopify, you know, all of these things, 20 bucks a month and you have a payment getaway that way. So I definitely suggest something. Obviously, as a business, we all need ways to collect money. PayPal, I don't know if they have a check the box instituted. Um, I feel like they must, but I'm not sure either. Yeah. uh, I would think that's on the list. But, you know, if you're not on a platform like Teachable or Kajabi, just a simple Squarespace site will, will cover you. So I do suggest implementing that just to make it easy on you as well. Right. So you're saying a Squarespace site will enable you to install install like the terms of purchase with the little Yeah, box. absolutely. Okay. So I we're on Shopify now, but in at the beginning we were on Squarespace and they have commerce ability so you could literally get your domain, let's just say it's me like yoga by Sarah, I have a a front page and then go to the purchase page and they allow you to include that as right. just clicking here, you agree to our terms of purchase. And then it links to another page of the website where you actually have those terms. Okay. Okay. And so if they have the terms of purchase, so one of the things that I've seen people talking about in on Facebook and things like this is it's really common when you go to any, you know, to a yoga studio or any kind of fitness place that you, the first time you go there, you sign a waiver. So if they have the terms of purchase and they've agreed to the terms, you don't have to then send your student like an additional waiver, correct? Correct. Okay. Okay, great. I think that's will be a huge relief to people because I think, yeah, having yet another step and then not having it again, like tied to the tech would make it really confusing. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. for terms of purchase, that's what's nice about having that check the box. If they are teaching for free, and you're just relying on the website terms of service, again, it's a little bit, you're a little bit more on on shaky ground. So I would say to try to include that waiver, whether it's on your YouTube page or at the beginning of each class, just posting it, just because even though you're teaching for free, you are opening yourself up to liability. So you just want to make sure the biggest thing that we're trying to achieve and that courts are looking for is that the students had notice of the waiver of liability, basically. Hmm. Okay. So you were saying that, I mean, I, I wasn't even aware of this, like on Facebook or on YouTube, you can usually link to your terms of service. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that would qualify as enough? I'm going to give a very lawyerly answer was 
maybe, you know, yeah, like yeah. a lot of law is not black and white. It's gray. It could be enough or a court could find that you were teaching something so physical and somebody got injured that you should have provided more notice versus just having it in the footer. That's why the terms of purchase really are stronger because somebody has to agree to them. So if they come later and try to sue you, you can go back and say, well, you agree to our terms of purchase. Whereas if you're just relying on a link in your website terms, someone might say, well, I never saw it and I didn't agree to it. And you put it, you know, somewhere where I couldn't find it. So it just needs to be really at the forefront. And so if you are on YouTube, I would just make it clear at the top of whatever page. Yeah, you could p actually put it in the caption. That, like, yeah, so you could sort of have the description of the video. And then underneath that, you could say like, this is whatever it says, you know, you could, would you have to do the whole terms of service? Or no, okay. you could say, you know, you're agreeing to our terms of service. And then also what I've, I've told other people to do is once you have your website terms and disclaimers, which is a long document, you can pull out a line or two of the disclaimers and just include that, such as this video is for informational purposes only. We're not responsible or won't be held liable for any injury that may occur. You know, mm -hmm. it could just be two sentences like that. And then you could say, by participating, you're agreeing to our website terms and then link to it. But again, I just want to reiterate it, that getting somebody to check the box is a little bit stronger in terms of legal protection. Sure, sure. The terms of purchase is stronger. So yeah. th th if someone was teaching classes by donation, would it be similar to teaching them for free? Or, or yeah. Would you, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because there you're, it's not, there's no obligation. They're just doing what they want. You're, you can't hold them to anything. So I would equate that similarly to teaching for free. Okay. Great. I feel like this is like giving me even so much clarity. <laughs> I wish I had <laughs> talked to you a long time ago. <laughs> so I think this is my last question, which is just a lot of yoga, well, I think hopefully all yoga teachers who are practicing teachers have their own liability insurance. There are several different companies right now that provide insurance for yoga teachers. I don't know. I think they probably all function kind of differently, but I'm wondering if you know anything about whether those plans will cover you for online. Yeah. And that's just something to check with the plan. So insurance and, and any coverage like that is a state by state issue. It's an industry by industry issue. So if anyone has any questions like that, I would just suggest reaching out and asking. Okay. Okay, great. I think that about covers it. Can you think of anything else that I missed? No, I think uh, we hit all the spots there. And, you know, if someone listens and they're moving online, they should, they should have what they need from here. And, you know, the website collection in terms of purchase is, is really the full coverage there. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This was incredibly helpful. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Thanks for listening. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 195. And that will include links to Sarah's online legal shop if you should need it. 
Also, thank you for all of the great reviews and ratings you've submitted lately. I've noticed, and it means a lot. And if you'd like to submit an online review, you can do that at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, until next week, enjoy your practice. Mm-hmm.